You're listening to Season 2, Episode 18 of How She Creates. Today, I have my lovely husband on the podcast sharing all about his most recent creative accomplishment. He shares with us some really incredible scientific research and insight into practicing your creative craft. There are some really helpful tips in here. He debunks some creative myths with some scientific research again, um, shares tips for how to use your creative time more um, successfully, and how to focus on progress instead of a final product. This is an awesome episode and it's a long one, but it's great. So get ready to listen. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes, one on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. Terrell, are your vocal folds lubricated? Yes. I'm actually glad that you called them vocal folds because uh, a lot of people call them cords, and that's incorrect, actually. I know. I heard you talking about lubricating your vocal folds the other day. Yes. Well, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So today, Terrell is here joining me again. He is one of our most listened to, he's our number one most listened to episode. Him and T came on last year at the end of the season and did a joint episode with Kaylee and I, and we talked about what it was like to live with creative people, and they both shared about their some of their creative stories. Um, so I'm very excited to bring Terrell back. Terrell is my husband, if you don't know that. And to talk about his most recent creative accomplishment, he performed a very incredible piano concert last week, and I shared some of it on Instagram, and people freaked out. It was so incredible. Um, So today, he is here to share all about his creative process when it comes to playing the piano, and we're going to talk about progress over the final outcome and how working towards progress helps in your creative process so so much instead of pushing things and working and only thinking about the final product so we'll get started terrell 
last time you were here, you shared more of like your general creative background. Will you share your creative story when it comes to piano? Sure. Um, I think for me, my creative story, really my musical journey, if you will, uh, started with the piano. Um, and well, wait, that's a lie. I started singing when I was like two or three years old. Um, Knee high to a grasshopper, some might say. That's right. That's right. Um, but I grew up in a music family and um, my, my dad was a church musician. And so I sang in choir um, since I was very, very young. But um, I started piano lessons when I was seven. And I just remember my dad being very apprehensive about us starting because he said his slogan word was, um, or phrase was, if you start piano lessons, then you will not quit. And so, um, and so I always remember that, but by seven, by third grade, um, I started taking piano lessons. I remember that my, um, um, piano teacher was this, um, incredibly beautiful lady, uh, as a third grader. <laughs> and so that was, was it, wait, wasn't she like 75 years old? No, not my first, first <laughs> piano teacher. No. Um, but, um, my first piano teacher was, uh, just this, uh, really wonderful lady. Um, and she was very caring and, um, but, um, I've, I've kind of had three main piano teachers in my early stages of, uh, uh, piano, which is kind of impressive that I, you know, um, but uh, my second piano teacher, um, so I started when I was seven and then I took for a few years and then I transferred over to another teacher in the area and uh, she was pretty hardcore and uh, then she moved away, I think, um, and then I started with my my main um, mentor, um, Mrs. Fox. And um, she was actually, interestingly enough, she was my dad's um, piano teacher. And uh, she was a uh, college uh, piano professor. And um, so I started with her. And early on, maybe about um, beginning of middle school, by seventh grade, almost eighth grade, I wanted to quit. Like, I did not... It got hard, and she was pushing me, um, and I was playing um, Chopin and um, Bach and just different um, music of that kind of uh, classic uh, type music. And I remember telling my dad, I'm "Like, well, Dad, it's just it's just hard. I'm I don't feel like I'm progressing. I want to quit." And he said, "No, you're not quitting." And I think it was at that point that I realized um, I pushed through it being hard. And um, so once I got past that hurdle and someone kind of telling me, no, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep at it. Uh, it may be hard. For whatever reason, after I was past that hurdle, it just I developed a love and passion for it. And it was what I wanted to do um, all the time. And so um, every... Every um, day after school, I would ride the bus to my dad's work, which was the church, and he had numerous pianos around the church that I would practice on, and um, and so that that was kind of my 
middle school, high school years, um, I continued with that teacher into the first two years of my college um, life because uh, she was the, like I said, a college piano professor. And so I was able to study with her for a long time. She was an incredible mentor and um, music teacher that just kind of brought me through so much. Um, and uh, I, yeah. I think that's, um, I guess, piano for me. Um, it it became my avenue for expression um, in my youth, and during that time in high school, and and then in the first few years of college, there, I went through a lot of different kind of um, times of maybe uh, depression or um, just anxiety and um, relationships with girls or whatever, but um, the piano, that outlet um, of, of sitting down in solitude and practicing and making music um, was just something that I latched onto and I poured myself into um, desperately and wholeheartedly. But now you also played trumpet in the band and you were drum major, and you sang. How did piano become the one thing? Yeah, I guess as musicians, um, you know, my dad was all, uh, he was a great mentor in my life, but um, being versatile, um, and I realized that um, playing the piano wasn't going to uh, maybe um, put groceries on the table and realizing that I needed to be very versatile in my music skills. And so, yeah, I um, um, I think looking back on it, music was uh, kind of my calling, and, and that's just what I... I never thought twice about any other thing. Um, it, it never really ever crossed my mind to study this or that or anything else. It was always music um, in different forms of it, you know, um, and I think that's part of my story as well. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I am in high school. I did not sing in choir. I uh, I was um, all in, in in band, completely involved in band. But but piano, just it was that separate thing that I was just able to kind of have. I guess a bit selfish, uh, but to have it to myself, and and that uh, it was something that I loved and. Um, I, I remember that, you know, I struggled through many, many different things with, with, um, my piano playing and this or that, but it was always just that one thing that just kind of was there and that what I, uh, loved to do. Um, but, but yeah, in college, then that, that's when I was exposed to choir, uh, singing in a choir, collegiate choir, and then that propelled me into, um, eventually down the road, choral conducting and and then music education and so so forth. But but yeah. So your main job now is choral conducting, and you teach different music education classes at the university here. Um, so how does piano fit in with that? Well, it's funny. Um, it was when I went back to grad school that um, I kind of always been that that. I, I was, um, I remember in undergraduate um, study, I said, 
um, maybe to my dad and to others. I was like, I um, did not want to um, study or actually to uh, teach music. And um, it was through my first um, uh, experience of like actually doing um, a, a camp um, that I um, enjoyed actually teaching. And, um, and so um, I remember that my first job out of college was actually teaching music. And so that, um, I realized that I really enjoyed teaching music, but still not piano. It was teaching uh, kids how to sing and music literacy and and in that sense. And so um, I decided to go back to grad school. But one of the things while I was in grad school that actually helped pay for my education was to teach these piano labs to um, non-music majors and so forth. And I really enjoyed that. It was a classroom setting. Um, and it was very um, the the beginning intro level of piano, and so I taught that for five years um, at uh, at my university there. And then um, uh, once we came to Korea, uh, I I taught choral um, music, and that was kind of my focus area: choral music education, and so um, singing and um, conducting and um, uh, leading choirs in that way. And so it was actually when I got this job, uh, here is that, um, they needed someone to teach the, uh, kind of how I stood out, I guess, in some ways for this job was that, uh, they needed someone to teach piano uh, classes. And so, um, it kind of brought it full circle again. Um, and then as a result that, um, uh, I was able to, meet my piano duo um, colleague here and uh, we were able to kind of form a duo and to start practicing together and that led to our concert and so uh, it's funny how things come full circle so but you use so I know a lot about this because I know you so in case people don't so you use the piano in the choral classroom because you play along with them and sometimes you play and sometimes you have an accompanist who plays it depends on the situation um, but so the piano has just been a small part of your um, teaching skills and the classes and things that you have done. But how have you kept up, focused on, enjoyed the piano outside of your professional responsibilities? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think um, it was really where that came full circle is. Um, I just hadn't had any kind of collaboration. I and I, I, it's kind of like in some ways what uh, Get Messy is all about of having um, a community of of artists and and I think for me coming to my current uh, job, I was able to be in a community of musicians and so forth who were eager on the same level to create music and to. Um, provide music to the public and we're kind of in a country where um, that music of, of that type is is um, not as prevalent and so um, we felt this um, you know just desire to 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 get together and to start um, playing together and because of that um, I think that that helped me to um, pursue my own 
um, goals and aspirations as a piano pianist. And before that, though, I um, just kept up with it, just on the side of, of practicing and um, playing pieces for my own enjoyment, but not having any kind of real, um, I guess, deadlines or concerts. And it's something that, you know, that uh, you and I have talked about. And having that, I, I think it was the realization of just that that's what, whether good or bad, those are the things, the, the being able to display your work um, and your art to others is what gives us momentum. And it, it, it kind of came full circle um, with the, pre, the most recent concert. Yeah, so your research for your dissertation surrounded this idea of practice because you are an upholder. If you've read The Four Tendencies, you know what that is. We'll talk about that on a later episode. Um, so you are good at self-policing and self-motivating, and that's how you continued to practice the piano. And it was definitely your hobby. Um, you know, music is your job, but piano is more of your hobby and kind of one of your passions that you love. Tell us about your research into practice. Kind of give us like the general overview of what you found to be true about how people practice, whether it's a musical um, thing or just practice any hobby or skill that they're trying to learn. Yeah, it was a, you know, I think that that's something when I was looking for dissertation ideas, it was like, what? Um, I, me- I remember my, uh, my major professor asked me, well, what can you be super, super interested in for an extended amount of time and to do the work that's required to write a dissertation? And I'm like, well, I love to practice and I want to know more about it. And, um, and it was like one of those things that I always felt um, kind of, I felt silly telling people because I was like, I'm, I'm a musician, but I don't perform a lot of concerts on the piano, but I love to practice the piano. Um, I perform concerts in other ways with choirs and conducting and all of those things and performances and things. But um, I was like, well, I just love the piano and I love practicing. And um, so it was through that that I started reading up on practice um literature and actually there's 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 been a ton uh, especially coming from um, European countries um, such as the UK and so forth and it was that it was during that time that actually um, the um, psychologist this has been a bit debunked a little bit but um, there was an article that that kind of came out um, several years ago many years ago now and they proposed the idea of about the the whole idea of ten thousand hours by um, uh, and that these uh, um, psychologists and educational psychologists and research they looked at how you know over a longitudinal study how um, you know of all of these musicians what was the average time that it took them to be kind of a expert. On their instrument, um, if you will, and so and ten thousand hours kind of came about, and so 
But it was always that thing that is like, well, how do you calculate that? And how do you, how do you teach people how to practice? And what later came out from that was that, that the hours is not so much as important as the quality of, of what you do in the time frame that you, you sit down with, with practicing and so forth. And so my research was, was helping people practice and helping to teach that. Um, and, um, so as I mentioned, I was in the, the, uh, piano labs. And so I actually used those as, um, kind of a, um, as test subjects in some sense. And so I tested how students uh, practice certain types of music. And then I gave them, so one group was actually given a, a practice plan that was very, very detailed and that told them exactly what they needed to do. The other group was told just to practice any way they wanted to. And while my, um, my experiment was very small in nature and, um, it didn't find significance with either group, um, which I think leads us to believe that um, practice and the way that we go about with our art is an individual thing. But that's not to say that the students who receive the, the help and the kind of the guided practice actually did well. And, and they were able, I think, in the long term, develop skills that, um, that could help them grow as musicians down the road. And I think, um, I think for me, that's something that I've slowly at the age that I'm at slowly bringing back as I was preparing for the concert and so forth of just so many things that my professors at the time taught me, but now they're kind of coming to fruition, if you will. And, and I'm like, I'm actually putting some of those things into practice. And, um, and so I think it's, that that's kind of the um, what I found out. So that practice is individual. Um, we do have different processes. Um, and if you're familiar or want to read up on things such as self-regulated learning theory of this idea of how we as individuals learn and grow and develop as on our own, um, that's kind of. Uh, um, a new um, area of study and with the use of self-regulation and how people on their own um, develop and how they become teachers of themselves in, in some sense. And so, but, um, yeah, does that? Yes. So yeah. I have three comments, questions. Do you have a specific article or something we can link to if people want to read up on that? Yeah, I can. Um, I, I wrote a short article that, okay. that's on that and it actually describes kind of I was going to talk about the the three kind of areas if you will of um, many people have written on it but um, my um, kind of three areas if you will of self-regulated learning as it applies to to music practice but I think in just in general uh, you can use these um, because they kind of what what musicians did and music researchers they took self-regulated learning theory from um, educational psychologists and then attached it to music and so you can attach it to you know your own um, discipline or your own uh, way of of life but the, the big three 
um, if you don't mind me saying, is just um, it's a cyclical process. And so um, it was um, it all starts with goals, actually. And it's what something that you, Lauren, talk about all the time of setting goals and setting um, uh, kind of parameters and, and having ideas uh, that you want to accomplish. The second is uh, the volition control. So as you're doing what you're doing, doing your art, um, kind of having that control um, during real time of, of kind of checking and monitoring and self-reflecting um, uh, in some sense. And then there's the, the last part, which is the feedback or the self-reflection or the reflecting time of when you stand back and you listen or you um, observe your art and you reflect on it, you critique it, you, um, and that's, for me, that's uh, listening to the recordings of, of the concert. And then it starts back over all over again. So then you, from that, from your reflection, then you create more goals and you, you progress forward and then you go into the volition, the actual practice phase of you practicing or making art and then you go into the, the self-reflection uh, critique stage. And that's just, it's a continual process. Um, it's, there's no one like um, thing, but that is, it's, it's hard to talk about it in some sense because it is self-regulation. And so people, the way that they go about that, there's no um, definitive um, ways in, in some sense. Um, yes, that's fantastic. And I think that that's something that we have to work towards because a lot of us are hobbyists, you know, and crafters, and we do things just because we love them and we want to get better. Um, so we have to figure out ways to self-reflect and evaluate what we're doing so that we can go through that cycle and improve that's a great point and challenge for for you this week as listeners to find a way that you can evaluate what you're doing and you're creating and use that to set new goals and to set new standards and and new projects and new ideas so that you can continue to grow and progress um, but I want to go back to your research because I, I feel like you're being scientific and humble um, and Statistically, your research did not prove one or the other, but just, I guess, statistically and mathematically are the same thing. But based on your numbers, the group who had the guided practice did perform better. It just wasn't a significant enough amount more than the other group to consider it, you know, scientifically a new thing, correct? Yes, what we call um, a... Um yeah, a, a significance is what, yeah, yeah, yes. for it to um, be at a statistical um, uh, area of, um, of, of significance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's not at that, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk more about today is about the guided practice because it is very important. And like Terrell was saying, with the 10,000-hour um, framework or idea, you know, it's like you can ride a bus for 10,000 hours, but you're not going to become a bus. But if you ride a bus for 10,000 hours and you ask the driver questions, you look under the hood, you figure out how it works, you start driving, you practice, you can become an amazing bus driver, mechanic, bus connoisseur, expert if you are doing, making efforts 
while you're riding the bus. And so that's the same thing that we talk about with Get Messy and with all art forms. You know, it's the it's the downfall of Pinterest and Instagram and all of those things is that you can look at those things for 10,000 hours, but you're never going to become an artist just because you looked at Pinterest for 10,000 hours. You have to actually be making the things and trying new things and not just making them kind of halfway. Like you have to be do like going through that cycle that Terrell was talking about of, you know, evaluating what you made. Okay, I did this wrong. I want to do it better next time. I want to look up a more in-depth tutorial next time. And that's how you accomplish the 10,000 hours. So it's not just showing up for 10,000 hours, but it's actively working and progressing and making changes and growing during those 10,000 hours. Yeah, and I always say that the hour amount never counts um, because um, I think that was important for me to realize. I even experienced it personally, but it's something that I tell my students in Piano Lab. I said, each one of you um, are completely different. And I said, what takes the one person, and when we're talking about skills in this area, um, but um, what takes one person 30 minutes to do may take the next person five hours. Um, and so I think that it's, it's so important to, um, it is about the, the small steps. And I think for me personally, it was something that, that I experienced, um, because my, my duo partner is a, a fabulous, wonderful pianist and, and can really, um, pick up things quite fast. But I was one that, that really had to go to the chopping block and practice. And I, and I never kept, uh, you know, up with my hours um, but but it was something that I had to really really um, um, kind of keep at mm -hmm. but what I realized with that is that that slow um, steady steps of progress in the end gave me um, I think in some ways um, solidity in what I was doing and um, gave me a confidence that I um, that I was, I guess, um, proud about. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I kept track of your hours, and it was a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so describe to, to us your practice routine. Do you have a ritual you go through? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that's important um, to kind of have something. For me, um, I think the routine is just getting to the piano, uh, forcing myself to actually sit down at the piano um, because there's so many things during the day that can take us away. Um, I realized that, um, and maybe this was something that you uh, mentioned just recently in a newsletter that I read from you, is that um, instead of trying to carve out two hours of time, um, just take the whatever time that you have to sit down and and do a bit of practice. I think that that's one thing that I've I've tried to instill. So it's not this long drawn out like I need four hours of time and complete silence and no one bother me or um, you know come into my office because I think that's I do practice at the in my office um, and you know it never fails that I will. Um, some days I can have three hours of complete silence, but sometimes it's 15 minutes. And so I need to always, I just, I had this idea to just make that 15, that 20 minutes just count. Um, 
And so, but but for me, in in music terms, yes, I do. Um, I, I think for me, having certain rituals, which are more um, musical, I guess, in nature, but it was the it's it's part of the the reflection when when you're the the person the main you know that you're I didn't have a teacher over me or anyone kind of critiquing what I was doing and so I thought it was very important to record myself um, during the process and to to get feedback that way to play for my colleagues um, to get their feedback um, to um, you know and there's certain practice techniques that along the way that as I was mentioning before that I'd heard my my professors talk about, but I think that it, they're finally coming. It's taking so long, actually, to to just say no. I need to to actually, um, you know, stay with that technique and to actually do it in that fashion, uh, no matter how long it takes me. And so, um, being very, 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 very patient is one of those things that I think you cannot um, overestimate or underestimate, whichever one it is. But um. so, so I know that every day is kind of different, but can you t- walk us through what your routine in, in practicing would be? Um, like you sit down at the piano, what's the first thing you do? The first thing... Um, it, it varies, but on, on a regular basis, I play scales. <laughs> I play um, all different types of scales um, at Which the piano. Are, for people who are non-musical, yeah. that is the very beginner basic thing that you learn. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. So um, I continue every single day probably play scales. And um, I play them in all shapes and sizes. Um, and, and vary them up. But yes, scales are something that you learn as a as a beginning um, musician, and it's something that I think is just the fundamental of mm-hmm. of, of your playing, um, and is so 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 important. And um, and then from there, I um, I may play a piece that I'm very very comfortable with that I can just play all the way through. That's very that kind of um, gets me situated, um, and then. Um, and in some ways, I even this this type of practice mentality um, carries over to the way I conduct and in my rehearsals as well. But um, and then I go to part work. I always, I never. Um, that's one of the things is like you, you know, if I want to play the um, the Schubert B flat sonata in two months, then I break it apart, you know. And so when I sit down at the piano, I don't. I'm, I'm not the pianist that can just play all the way through that complete sonata. So I break it apart in, in very small, achievable um, chunks. And then I just set goals for myself. I want to do, and sometimes it's even by page. I just want to uh, master this page or these, you know, little, this little section of music. And I do that, and, and that's all I do for that day. Um, and so those that's that's talking about the goal setting um, thing, um, and then there's um, and there's all different types of, of work that goes on in that. But um, uh, but then also um, speed is one of those things that you um, 
I heard someone say this past week. It's it's much when when talking about cleaning up a piece of music and to make it very uh, clear and clean uh, for the listener, and so that it's it's um, that you're not playing sloppy. Um, it, they said that it's better to um, kind of uh, speed up the the piece of music rather than to clean up a mess. And uh, what what they were talking about is just to go slow and to have patience and not so the piece may be a really 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 fast piece, but the way that you practice it is gosh awful slow and very very slow and methodical. And then over time you develop the speed. But that is something that's that just takes as I mentioned um, uh, earlier so 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 much patience and and time. So this is a routine that you've developed over the past 20 years, um, but do you go in, so it took you, so you developed the routine, but now when you go in, do you generally have a plan or you just always kind of fall back on your routine and you just put in whatever piece you're working on into that slot where it fits? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the routine is there. Um, and once you get back into the habit, I think the routine that I was talking about earlier becomes more um, innate and it's just there. And then um, reflection always happens after the practice time to kind of, you know, if for me this this past year was reflection while I was riding my bicycle after I practiced two hours riding my bicycle back to our apartment and I would reflect on my practice and hope that I wouldn't run into a um stop sign or a pole or something because I'm going over the music in my head. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, it, it becomes more innate. I, I think at the beginning, though, um, I've even like wrote out, you know, my practice plan and stuff. And sometimes that helps. I, you know, um, I remember even in this past, like maybe last semester, being very frustrated because I just sat down and just sporadically practiced. And then I walked away super frustrated because I had not sat down with clear ideas of what I wanted to accomplish and do. And so, um, and then I also had the, the physical thing of if I push something to go too fast or trying to push something, uh, that I'm just not ready for to play at that speed or whatnot. Um, and that's something that I've, I've actually, you, um, you can injure yourself and, um, uh, playing things too fast, playing things too, um, for long periods of time and you're as as a pianist you're like a micro athlete and so you just have to be very very careful of that um, so <laughs> like the micro athlete yeah <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my gosh I did not expect that <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good conversation and then you said micro athlete <laughs> <laughs> okay I feel like I'm very angry with you because you haven't told me this in such detail before and I feel like if I was following a creating routine the same way that you have your practice routine my my art time would be much more fruitful um, and I am learning this also myself in how to work in parts. Um, I want to just 
finish things immediately. Like I just want the finished product. I like things that are quick, things that are simple. Um, and I'm learning and I have seen this time and time again that when I take my time on stuff and I build on stuff slowly, it is a million times better than if I had just finished it and when sitting. But I think having that routine set where I know that I'm going to start with a painting warm-up, just mark making or color mixing, and then progress into, you know, just painting an art journal background page because I know I'm good at those and I can do those, you know, pretty quickly and easily and I'm because I've developed that skill of that and then moving over into my big canvas and starting and working on a portion or a layer or a section of my of a painting that would yield such better results than just immediately you know being kind of frustrated or harried from my day and then diving into the canvas and making a couple marks and then being frustrated with it and then not coming back for a couple weeks then not knowing what to do with it um, or just trying to, to rush it and so I think the routine that you laid out can be applied to any art form any type of creating any type of learning that you're trying to do I think that is fantastic and it's it'll be different for everyone and you'll have to um, you know tweak it to fit yourself best but I think you know like he was saying is is one thing I'm always I always admire from you so much is just how committed you are and how you will sit for hours and work and you will carve out that time and you will prioritize that and that's something that I struggle with for no true reason you know no I've got no outside thing pulling at me to do something else except my own brain saying I need to do more things um, but I love that 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 commitment to that time and to that practice and that routine but also like you said even if you only have 15 minutes just showing up and playing those scales or starting that whatever it is or just work or having that kind of written list of like these are the you know the small parts of things that I need to get done or this is my routine and just being able to pick one of those small 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 tasks not just do a painting but do a one color wash on the painting or put some journaling on the art journal page makes all the difference in, in the process and so what are some other tips that you have for people wanting to make the most out of their practice or creating time how can they most effectively use their practice time well I think um like what you said, you you actually inspired me uh, when you were talking. Just it was just a few years into our marriage, and you had read uh, Twyla Tharp's um, "The uh, uh, Creative Way," right? Creative like, the Creative Habit, and um, and you in that book, you're like, "Have you ever heard of Stravinsky?" And I'm like, uh, "Yes," and you're like, "Well." Did you know that every day he started his day playing um, a prelude and fugue by Bach? And that has stuck with me for the longest time because um, I found myself even this year, even if I wasn't didn't have the three hours to carve out of my day to to practice something in depthly, of just starting my day by either um, singing a Bach chorale, which are just very um, kind of um, traditional pieces that that people study and look at and that that have so much depth 
of just singing one of those or just playing it or playing a prelude and fugue by Bach and just getting my day started with that type of uh, routine. And I think that that has, that has helped me so much. But I think what, what you're saying is that this, um, I've not only seen this type of work ethic and, you know, and, and my thing is I'm, I'm still learning so much about that, but I think the, the, um, the incredible musicians, the incredible choirs, the incredible uh, creative people out there have an extremely um, detailed and very uh, methodical um, way of going about doing what they, they're doing. I think it's very, very important, though, um, and this is where I got caught up in um, looking at people and reading bios and thinking about people and watching them and, and being like, oh, I want to be like that person. And so then you copy what they do. And that's the biggest mistake um, because um, copying what that that person is doing is just uh, like you're, you're, um, you're not being true to yourself. And that person has found their their flow, if you will, um, and, and what they do in their own unique way. And that's not unique to you. And I think for me, being just comfortable as a musician and um, realizing that my way is going to look a, a lot different, there's certain techniques and there's certain things that are tried and true that will just yield good results. And those are some of the things that we've already talked about of just um, being very um, planned and, and having a ritual and doing that. Um, I've seen great things um, come of that. I think one thing that I've been able to instill in my choirs that have uh, that I've been able to stand in front of is to um, over time uh, give them the gift of, of, of rehearsing in, a, in a, a very planned way and then the students seeing and the results of that. And I think one of the, the big things was when I was teaching a few years ago and the students at the end of the year, um, they always kind of complained. They, I remember when I first came, they were like, can we just run through pieces? Can we just like get through the pieces? And, and they were always just like, we don't, we, we don't do that much. We're, we're just, we're, we're just kind of spot doing stuff. And then at the end of the year, when they realized how much repertoire or how much, how, how much music that they had sung throughout the year and it was just astronomical and they were like, oh my gosh, we've sung all of this music and, um, and, and felt good about it as well along the way. But it was just, it was an eye opener experience to me that, that, that there was so much accomplished, but it was just the very methodical day in taking small things. Um, I, I don't feel like I completely answered your question, but in, in that whole process is what you have to find your own self. And I think, um, um, we're, we're singing a song this, this semester in choir, um, and it's from the, the musical, The Greatest Showman on Earth, and it's called This Is Me. And it speaks to me so much because it says, you know what, I've read all of this research on uh, how to practice, and, and I feel like that many times I don't measure up, but at the end of the day, um, I am who I am. Um, I'm going to accomplish the things that I set forth to do it, and the way that I do that may not look like um, the other person, but as long as I'm um, 
achieving those goals that I set for myself and doing it in a way that's unique to me, um, I feel like that um, that's where the greatest impact will be. And, and, and being, um, being true to myself and kind of um, uh, in, in that. So there's, there's no one way. I, I think that that's, that's um, I, I firmly believe that there's, um, but, um, but the discipline comes in different forms too. I, I sometimes beat myself up because I don't feel like I've done enough today or I've, I've done all that I can do. Um, and, and maybe that's true. Maybe it is. Um, but um, I realize that I have to be human and I have to be who I am in, in all of that. Um, and, and not, not uh, I think some people find arrogance, especially in the arts, in, in puffing them, in, in kind of over-exaggerating themselves um, to make up for the inadequacies that they feel that, that other areas of either preparation or planning or um, the inadequacies of feeling that I'm a good artist. And so people kind of have these exaggerated um, kind of uh, ideas about themselves and, and so forth. And that, um, that, that creates just an imposter. And so, yeah, I, there's no one way. Well, let me ask you this. What do you suggest doing? You know, you've got your routine, you're working through something, you're trying to learn something, trying to master it, and you can't. It's going wrong, it's hard, it's difficult, you want to quit, mm-hmm. you want to push through it, you want to force like for, force your way through it. What, what do you suggest? How do you have that effective practice, practice time um, and not get lost in that one detail that you can't? get yeah i think this was very true for me i can speak personally to the the music that we played for piano palooza um like i mentioned my duo partner very uh fantastic pianist and i enjoy it very much and the pieces that she chose i at the beginning of the year she's like yeah what do you think about these and i'm like sure you know and i was like oh dear god (laughs) like they have all kinds of stuff that just um you know, that I was just like, okay, well, I will bite off one chunk at a time. And I remember us going, some of those first rehearsals of us going together, and and I could barely keep up, maybe with my left hand, maybe with my right hand. Um, I would uh, I would say, can we just, uh, just stop and let's go like snail speed here and just very so, 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 so slow. Um, and yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like the concert, there were certain things that I, I felt like went well, and there were certain things that I felt like didn't go as well as I wanted them to. Um, but I had to remember how far that I had come from day one, and I not that 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 um, you know created pride in myself, and no, and and at the end of the day, I know what the the voices in my head as the um, we're doing the artist uh, way right now and the the negativity in the side of my head is like well pain people do not care about your mistakes and they don't care about you know how far you've come they've come to pay to get a good performance and you know all of those things and um, but you know what I don't care um, at the end of the day I think that um, 
And it's not a selfish thing, but it was just a matter of realizing that I had worked just some of those same basic fundamental techniques, slow practice, one, you know, this section by itself, this section by itself, slow practice, slow practice, reflecting, going back to it, going back to it. And this is one thing that was also too, is um, being okay if something is not, um, you know, I know you make fun of me a lot because I will sit on one thing for 30 minutes. And sometimes that's not, that's, that's very bad. Um, Because actually what research has shown us is that you practice, once you go away from the piano, your brain is still at work, very much at large um, working. And so I, I think one unique thing was like when I practiced well and I did things methodically, then I would come back the next day and realize that miraculously those things had fixed themselves, um, you know, by my next practice. So not that you practiced um, like super good, like you didn't like perform it well, no. but you just practiced in a methodical, like good practice way. Yes. And then that those, those skills um, over time, whether it was a week or it was the next day, they they became better and um and um and there's there's way more that goes into that but but um i think that time and patience and um wanting to to get better with with those skills um or whatever they may be so the main reason i wanted to have this conversation is because we started talking about i was reflecting on my day that I have started setting specific days that I work on specific things and not coming back to them until that day comes around the next week. Um, And again, so I'm forcing myself to work on projects slower in smaller chunks of but more dedicated time and letting them kind of grow and evolve on their own in that way without forcing them and then feeling frustrated and... um, you also work like that because your concert was in the end of February, but you've been working on f- towards this concert since August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, September, August, yeah. Yeah. So how, what are your suggestions um, for focusing more on your progress than the outcome? And how, how do you use that to propel you towards your final project Um, And how does that focus change your mindset and your emotions? Because I know for me, it brings me a huge sense of relief to not have to have completely finished something or created something from nothing when I wasn't ready. And it lets me, um, it's, it's like the feeling of the franticness of like, oh, I can't get this done. I don't have enough time. But now I know, oh, I've got three weeks to get this done and I'm, because I am a huge procrastinator, so I leave things till the end. But now I am slowly working on them weeks ahead so that by the time they're due, I've really given them their time they need to to grow. Um, And so that's kind of what the slower progress for me has, has been very helpful. What about you? How do you see that? The slower progress is how I operate. I, um, it was funny because my my 
duo partner, she loves uh, uh, procrastination. And for me, I just, that creates so much anxiety. And honest to goodness, those things that, those, those things that I didn't quite shore up at the end that were still kind of rough around the edges, um, those were still rough around the edges at the concert. And I, um, just because I felt like I'd reached a point, I can't cram. I'm not a crammer, and uh, I just can't cram and do that, especially with skills and learning something um, super fast like that. And so for me, I had to kind of start with a long idea of like, yeah, we're going to perform these pieces down the road at like a piano um, or a faculty concert or something like that. And so, um, but the biggest thing that helped me, and it was so eye-opening for me, um, and that I am just now such a proponent of collaboration and community and um, of that, that whereas I had kind of been so secluded to that, like, well, I'm going to practice on my own. I'm going to do this on my own, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was the day, day the, the week meeting that we had set and we did not let anything come uh, to uh, interfere with that. But having that week meeting every week that we would meet and because of that meeting, then that propelled me um, throughout the week to work mm. in whatever fashion. It just knowing that I was meeting um, and that she was not going to judge me if I hadn't learned this section or anything like that. But just knowing that I had the meeting the following week propelled me to be like, no, I need to practice my music, you know, and whereas she could wing it. And she did, mm-hmm. and, she, and that was completely fine with for her. But for me, I needed that. Um, I and um, that was something that was so so crucial. Um, so it was, it was just having that perspective continually um, that that gave me, I guess, motivation. Did that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think so. Um, so how do you plan your creative time so that you're focused on progress over final product? Mm. You've answered this a little bit, but yeah, I think, um, uh, celebrating the small successes, you know, being like, yay, I can play all the way through my piece today. It's super slow and I would never play it at a concert like this, but I can play all the way through it. Um, we, we actually just did this today inquire um we we got through the entire piece today and i and i celebrated i told the choir i said we've gotten all the way through there's tons of things that we've got to fix but we've gotten all the way through it um and because i work in the same way as a conductor in the same way that i practice uh, on a uh, individual level as well um and so uh, celebrating the small things i think is the the first thing um and the um, I think the planning um, and and setting your goals um, of of what I want to accomplish and and then um, just the reflective process and then going back over that. I think for me that's that's the the key to success: planning and then um, celebrating when when you've you've accomplished those small little goals. Um, and so, and, and like I said, you want to play the entire, um, you know, um, 
Tchaikovsky can piano concerto, well, that's not going to happen tomorrow, you know. So you um, you take it down in, in sizable chunks, and that's going to look different for every single musician. Um, and I used to be very, I used to get very, very discouraged. I thought that the the um, and it may be the the mark of a great pianist is one that can just sit down and just blow through and just be able to play beautifully the first reading of you know any piece. But I've come to realize that that's just that's maybe a f- not true. You know, there's a lot of pianists that maybe can do that, and that's fantastic. But but I think um, I was listening to someone the other day that. Um, that a very famous pianist was playing a concert in Seoul, South Korea, and they were interviewing him, um, and they said, well, how long have you been preparing for this concert? And I think the pianist said, like, years. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is a famous pianist, like, played the entire concert repertoire um, of, of piano music, and you're telling me that he's been preparing for years for this concert? And... Um, and it is. It's just like that, um, um, you know, that to have those outstanding concerts that we go to, we forget the preparation of, of that that's entailed in that. Mm. And that they, yeah, maybe there, there's those people who, you know, learned their um, entire piano recital while riding a train across Europe and then they go perform a, a piano recital and that's fantastic but um, it's it, I think there's more validity in in recognizing the fact of of, of planning uh, planning planning and then setting goals like that I think that's so wise and that applies to all all things you know people who are good at something you know full galleries full of artwork you know all of these things took years and years to learn and to hone and to get good at and and to work on and so I love that reminder Um, so what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you Um, I guess um, I would say that I don't know how to live any other way (laughs) Um, um, I think that this brings me to several points but it first is uh, for me, music is beauty and emotion, and and it it pushes me to constantly push myself to express the very thing that is beyond human expression. And what do I mean by that is that um, I think first, uh, music is is my art. Um, and when I was in grad school, my professor challenged me and said, "Well, what is art? What is art?" Um, and um, and we say, well, it's uh, something that is a heightened expression of the human condition. And that's one definition. It's not a definitive definition by, by um, any stretch of the imagination. But I, the, and, and I've always stuck with that and said that that then um, propels me to, to observe the beautiful in, in all things um, in life. And for me, music, um, you know, today it was a phrase in um, the piece that we were singing in choir um, and how the the shape of the melody was just something that was 
I couldn't express it in words. I couldn't express it in, in a color. I couldn't do anything but just saying that, um, and that's hard because you're, you're trying to convey that message and get the, the students, the choristers, to sing in a way that's meaningful, right? Um, but it's, it's uh, for me, it was, it was something that it just expressed this, this, um, this, some, this uh, thing that was beyond human, if you will. Um, and, uh, and so living that, then I guess, is just being aware of, of all of the, the beauty that's around me, whether it's music, whether it's um, art, whether it's um, um, people, whether it's conversations, what, what, whatever. Um, I think being able to um, just kind of live creatively and think differently about the world at large is, is so vital. And what is your favorite resource for creativity? Um, I think my favorite resource is reflection. Mm. And what I mean by that is that, um, so I'm not really asking, or I'm not really telling you a thing besides uh, this kind of abstract idea, but it's, um, and, I, and I don't mean that in, a, in an inward way of like reflection, like I look into myself and I find inspiration in myself. I think that's valuable. But I think it's, it's reflecting on, on all of the things. And sometimes that reflection comes by reading a book, by looking at a resource, by talking with you in our conversations. Um, but it's, it's that continual um, kind of when I was talking about the cyclical process, it's that continual mm-hmm. self-reflection um, and, and um, continually wanting to... Um, be a better musician, be a better scholar, be a better teacher um, and learner. Speaking of, so your concert was over a week ago, seven days ago. So what are you working on now? Well, it was so funny. Uh, as soon as we finished the concert, it was like one day, and my my duo co- uh, um, partner was like, we're learning all of the Hungarian dances. You play one through five on the first part, and I play the second part on <laughs> nine through or. Um, six through ten we're going to do this and it's like you know 30 minutes of, of piano music and uh, so it's wonderful that that has then propelled me uh, to to start um, learning new piano rep um, solo rep and then also start planning for um, another piano palooza um, in the fall and so I'll have the summer to, to plan and uh, get ready for that and um, so yeah I think that one uh, event leads to another and uh, in this sense that um, I think the things that I learned from all of the preparation that I hope to be even more planned uh, you know it, it, <laughs> isn't that funny it's like uh, we I, I feel like I misstepped a few things here and there and so I just I'm like no I'm going to be super super methodical and super planned with all of that <laughs> and and I think that we have to be careful with that because the the planning and the the methodical can take out the beauty and mm-hmm. can take out the inspiration. But at the end of the day, I think that sometimes uh, we think that these creative beings and these creative people, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, we've got to go and just be so creative and live this creative lifestyle and forget that that creativity does um, come in 
very planned, methodical ways, um, and so forth. It's like chain smoking. <laughs> like I've done that with reading this year. I have started a book immediately as soon as I finished another book, and because you know, one of my goals is one of my not my goals. One of my like lifelong habits that I'm developing is reading every single day. And um, I have not missed a day of reading since December. I started this in December and I have not missed a day. Um, but, and I have read a ton of books in the past three months, but it's because I'm like chain smoking the books like you are with a concert. Like as soon as you finish one, you're moving on to another one. You're ready to start. You're, you're keeping the momentum going and the ideas going. And um, It was very funny that when I thought I was like, well, I'll do this. I'll check it off the list. I'll get it done, you know. And um, and I've I've taken a week off, you know. Mm-hmm. I've taken a few days, and that's fine. But but yeah, it it it's it's um, I'm getting into the more of the the idea that you know the more that we do, the better that we're going to get at it, and the mm-hmm. and um, the more comfortable we're going to get. And I and I think like what you I've discussed with you is that being so conscientious after that first, like putting yourself out there and, 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 um, but then realizing that, you know, okay, you've done that now. And so I, there's, it, it's, it's it, just to breathe, take a breath and get back out there and do, do it again and again and again. And, yeah. Awesome. I have loved this interview. Thank you for sharing with us i'm sure this will be our now second most listened to episode um but as we end i want to add in a new segment that i am doing i want to support and promote other um, women and artists and business owners out there who i think are doing amazing things i'm going to bring more light to them um to them and to you also and um, this week i have a, a funny one that's i don't know it's, it's awesome. I love it. Um, if you like clothing, um, Poppy and Dot is one of my favorite clothing um, sources to shop at. Um, this is not sponsored. Again, I just love these ladies. It's two ladies who are running this awesome business who find gorgeous clothing and um, sell it. You can shop right from Instagram. Their Instagram handle is poppy and dot, poppy and dot, and then you can shop online. They have sales online. You can also use a discount code Lauren Likes Ten to get ten percent off of your any purchase from Instagram or from their website or from their sales section. So I get ten percent of the sale. You get ten percent off of your purchase. Um, and everybody wins. So they only sell limited quantities, short runs of clothes. So they're really unique. They're really beautiful. Probably 90% of my wardrobe is them. Terrell is constantly annoyed that he is getting packages from Poppy and Dot. Um, But I think they're fantastic. They're a small business um, who is run by women and it's just fantastic. I'll share links to them. I have written a whole blog post about them. Um, I have lots of stories on Instagram that I've got saved for you. So you can get lots of good resources and ideas there. But like I said, just go shop at poppy and dot and use the code Lauren likes 10 for 10% off. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, 
please go leave a review and tell a friend about the episode and make sure you're sharing under the hashtag how she creates so that we can see what you're making and as always show notes at, are at lauren-likes.com slash podcast i'll see you guys next week thank you so much for listening to how she creates i would love to see how you create share what you're making on instagram using the hashtag how she creates if you love learning about creativity with me please leave a review on itunes and subscribe grab your art supplies and i'll meet you back here next week for another episode of how she creates